morning, Chapel, Richmond, we love you. Come on, let's say good morning to the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Love you guys. Good morning, good morning. Thank you. Can be seated while we're in a series called Next. And can't wait to tell you about that in just a second. But want to look in the camera at the back of the room. Welcome everybody online as well as the chapel in Richmond. I saw pictures of the 930 service strong on Time Change Sunday. How many know Time Change Sunday is the day to show up at church? And uh, so we're glad to have you with us. Hope you're enjoying this beautiful spring weather. And uh, man, we're excited. I want to let you know one thing on the way out today. Hey, we have Easter in a few weeks. And we, we have added, I think we're doing 10 weekend services at Easter between two campuses. Isn't that cool? And, uh, and so we have some yard signs that say, join me for Easter at the chapel. And so would you take one of those or maybe take two of those? Take one, put it in your yard. Take one, put it in somebody else's. And just help us, okay? And uh, But just help us. You know, there's a lot of people disconnected, a lot of people looking for church, a lot of people think about coming back to church. So would you just help us blanket this city um, uh, with, uh, with the love of Jesus as we prepare for Easter? And we'll tell you more about those services. They start Friday night all the way to Sunday night. So there's lots of times and uh, different options for you as you're pr- planning and preparing. Our team has some special music, special elements, you know, photo booth, all the stuff we do. You wear your duds and get your picture and worship Jesus. And so we can't wait for Easter. I can't wait for Easter. And, uh, but Hey, I want to give you just one update. This is really exciting. Okay. So if you just lean into something, uh, so next weekend, I just wanted to remind you next weekend is an epic day in the life of our church. Come on. It's what, come on. It's what commitment Sunday. And what that means is that you got in these uh, series guides along the way, this card that people have been praying over and preparing. It's a two-year generosity focus of a church to make space so that the lobby people don't have to sit in the lobby. So we're going to take the lobby cards right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, but so so in that generosity campaign, it makes space for future uh, uh, stuff at Scott's Edition Expansion location uh, there and in uh, Scott's Edition future campuses. It um, and it redoes kids and student space in Midlothian and a new auditorium. And so as we're entering entering into this, I want to just let you know something really special happened last Wednesday, first Wednesday, and that is we asked all our key uh, staff leaders and board to all make commitments. And I, I just want to brag on them, 100% of our key leaders turned in a connect card or a commitment card. Come on, can we thank them for that today? That's incredible. And uh, hey, I got I to gotta just let you know how serious we are about this, okay? And that is that of the commitments that were made, there was a 91% increase in generosity committed over the next two years. So here's what that means. Uh, the, a family takes what they normally give to the church and adds 91% on top of that. Not only that, but over 25 people exceeded a 125% increase in generosity, which means double and then some. And so here's why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this, first of all, so I can brag on all the leaders around here and how serious they are about that. And, and also so that you can just know that we're not going to ask anybody to do something we're not 
doing ourselves. okay? We're stretching. We're all taking steps. We know that there's some craziness in our world right now. We just want to make space to allow people to come to know Jesus. And we feel like when, when we have all these jammed services and people having to sit in different places, it doesn't say to our community, we have a place for you. It says, hey, sit near the fireplace. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so we're going to ask us all. Here's what I'm asking next weekend, though. This is a big one. I'm asking us all to participate, okay? This is like an all play, okay? In fact, it was really exciting this last Wednesday night because in youth group at Motion Night, um, I was just so moved. We gave them a, ne- a next card where they could take their next steps. Some of them gave, like the next steps were like, give your life to Jesus, get baptized, join a small group, or give to the financial, uh, give generously to the next step portion of the campaign. And I took a little video with my phone. You just got to see our, what our students did Wednesday night. So here's what happened. 360 kids filled out Next cards. Over 60 committed to to be a part of supporting Next generously. Can we just cheer on our junior high and senior high students? You guys are awesome. I had one kid say to me, I didn't even know if I should take it, but he had a $5 bill and he said, I bring this every week for the snack bar. And he said, but this week I'm not going to have snacks. And he gave me it, and I thought, maybe I should give it back, but I didn't want to rob his blessing. And so I said, man, that moved me, because for you tonight, you gave up. And I said, you get five snacks a week? And he's like, yeah, I get five. So I said, well, you probably didn't need that anyways. But, <laughs> but here's what I'm asking. It's an all play. Okay, so I'm asking as your pastor, all play. We can do this, but we can only do this together. Would you take this card? Would you pray about it? Would you come back next weekend? And let's, hey, let's believe God. Let's believe God. Let's believe God to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. Amen? Amen. Done. All right, let's dive into the message this weekend. I want to talk to you about a guy in the New Testament. His name's Barnabas. Come on, say Barnabas. His name is actually the third most common in the book of Acts after uh, Paul and Peter, which is strange because we don't talk about him that much, but Barnabas was an encourager. And I want to talk to you about the power of encouragement today, the power of encouragement. How many know there's, there's nothing like getting encouragement, is there, right? Come on, I mean, like, there's nothing like like getting encouragement, and I want you to see how encouragement is not just a little sprinkle that we put on top of the cake, but it can change people's lives. So let me show you one of the first times we run into Barnabas in the New Testament. Uh, th- this man named Saul, who would have his name changed to Paul, gets gets his life radically changed. And if you're new to church, Paul is the writer of about a third of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And his name before he met Jesus was Saul. God changed his name. And before he met Jesus, he was a bad dude, okay? He persecuted the church. In fact, he oversaw the execution of the first um, uh, martyr, man who died for his faith, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7. Paul was there uh, approving of it. So he's a bad guy. And all of a sudden, God gets a hold of his life and saves him changes his life but people are sort of like i i don't know if it's real like i'm not sure i want to go to lunch with this guy because what if he's faking right and then like he kills me you know and so like here's what happened the bible says when uh, he came to jerusalem paul tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was really a disciple 
but Barnabas took him. How many know you need some people that take chances on people? Everybody else, I don't know about Paul, but but, no, no, no. I'm going to take, listen, I know you got a past, Paul, but I'm going to take a chance on you. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, told him how Saul, whose name would be changed to Paul, on his journey had seen the Lord and how the Lord spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. You need to know that Paul's life was not only changed by Jesus, it was changed by one man who formed a relationship with him and believed in him when other people didn't. How many know we all need some people that believe in us? We all need some people. And, and, and that's what Barnabas was. He was a people person. We've been saying this and, and we're getting ready to break ground and build a new building and all that. We're not, we're not ashamed of that. We need spaces where people and places where people can worship Jesus. Amen. But it's not about a building. It's about people. People are our heart. People are our heart. And for Barnabas, people were his heart. And when he saw Paul and his life changed, when everybody else saw only a problem, Barnabas saw a possibility. When everybody else only saw his past, Barnabas could see his present and his future. And he literally speaks into his life. In fact, let me show you this. Barnabas's real name isn't even Barnabas. His real name is Joseph. The name Barnabas is just a nickname given to him because he was so encouraging. They called him son of encouragement. Wouldn't that be incredible if you were so encouraging that people just had to give you a nickname like, wow, that guy? Super encourager, right? Like I could ask what nicknames are, but I don't want to get in trouble today. You know what I mean? But like he was so known, so known for encouragement that it literally shaped his, his nickname, what people called him. How many know in life you can get known as either an encourager or a discourager? You ever met a discouraging person? How many have somebody come into your mind right now? You know who I'm talking about. How many, have, how many know one discouraging person? Come on, raise your hand. How many know if you don't know a discouraging person, you know what that means? You that discouraging person. I mean, you know the discourager, they're coming. Uh, 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 oh, no. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> but how many know an encourager, you say, oh, come on, give it to me. You look great. You know what I mean? They're going to tell you you lost weight whether you did or didn't, you know. (laughs) And encouragement. Barnabas gets known for encouragement. Let me just throw down the gauntlet this weekend. The chapel needs to be a place that's known all over town as a house of encouragement. Hey, if you need a good word, there's a group of people that got a good word for you. And do you know how countercultural this is right now? Because the whole world is negative, fear-driven, it's going to be bad, cancel, write people wrong, smear them, you got an issue. What if there was a countercultural place in town where people said, we believe the best about you, we believe your past doesn't have to dictate your future, and there can be hope in Jesus, right? What if, what if I think the local church ought to be the most encouraging place in town? I think it ought to get out. I think it ought to get out that there, in fact, somebody once told me, they said, when when we talk about your church, we talk about happy people. And at first I was like, is that an insult? Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. People just think of your church as happy people. And I thought, man, that's pretty good. Happy people. Come on, turn the person next to you and tell them, you look happy. Come on, just tell them that. Turn to your second choice, the other person, and tell them, you look like you need some church today. Come on, just tell them that. Look like you need a little church today. Here's the point. 
Barnabas was known as an encourager. And he saw Paul, even despite his past, and took a chance on him. Here's why, because I think this is true. Encouragement gives others second chances. Anybody in the room ever needed a second chance? (laughs) Anybody in the room ever need a mulligan? Everybody in the room ever need a do-over? Anybody in the room need a pencil with an eraser too, right? I mean, I mean, the reality is Barnabas, all the other people in the early church looked at Paul and all they could see was his resume of persecuting Christians. Barnabas could see what God was doing in his present life and what God could do in his future. Let's be a church that doesn't label people by their past. But for the grace of God, there's forgiveness and a new, new future. Or you could put it this way. I, I want to be in the presence of what God is doing, not what you did, Right. I don't want to just remind you what you did. I want to remind you what God's doing. And Barnabas looks at Paul and he says, I know you were this way, but I see God did something in your life. And he speaks into him a future that's life-giving and transformational. Encouragement gives people second chances. Encouragement gives people second chances. The Australians have a phrase called the tall poppy syndrome, which is an agricultural term indicating that like, these poppy plants grow up first and what what can happen is whatever one's tallest the other ones grab onto it and pull it down and they use that phrase tall poppy syndrome to describe what happens in our culture which is somebody gets ahead and everybody thinks i got to pull them down i got to knock them down i got to smear them and i don't cheer other people on i'm jealous envious uh, threatened uh, let's be a place that cheers on other people's successes hey let's be a church that cheers on other churches successes you know, a lot of churches fighting in this one and that one, this one, that. I, I hope every church in the city of Richmond that preaches Jesus is full. Like, like we need to be a church that speaks life and encouragement to others, right? Not competition, not slander. No, no, no. Encouragement gives people second chances. I want you to see the second thing. Again, all from the life of Barnabas. Because not only was he, was he uh, encouraging with his words, and this is what we're entering into next weekend, he was encouraging with his resources. You see, if you want to have a Barnabas spirit, you have to have Barnabas behaviors, <laughs> And let me show you how Barnabas was. The first time we get introduced to him is in Acts chapter 4. Joseph, that's remember I told you his name, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. It's actually a strange chapter because he sells a field and then Ananias and Sapphira decide that they want the same credit. So they sell a field, but they keep the money and then God kills them. It's, we'll talk about it another time. But... <laughs> Here's the point I'm just trying to get at. There was a, there was a generosity of spirit. Listen, I know, I know the world's tough right now. I know things are up. I have great news. Uh, Easter weekend, we're going to be offering $1.95 unleaded gas at the chapel. No, that's not true. But wouldn't that be awesome? We should do something like that. Amen. That's not true. Please. You heard it here. I'm just joking. I mean, I thought it was a good idea. Pastor Joel didn't like it. I'm still a fan. Talk to him. And, uh, but you know, you know, there's this picture. I had a pastor uh, friend who told a story. His wife, Debbie, was at a store. And she had a weird like prompting of the Lord. She was in the line, check it out. And there was a mom in front of her with her daughter that had a plastic tray of cupcakes that she was buying. And Debbie, which is the pastor's wife, uh, was standing behind her and literally felt like the Lord was impressing on her to, buy, to pay for this lady's uh, order. 
She said, that's weird. It's just cupcakes. But then as the lady was getting ready, they scanned everything and she goes, okay, I'm going to do it. So she said, excuse me. And she just swiped her card quick and I got, I got you. I'm, I just felt like I should. And the lady walked out and she didn't think anything of it. Two days later, Debbie, the pastor's wife, got an email. The, 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 the lady knew Debbie. Debbie didn't know her, but the lady knew Debbie was a pastor's wife. And emailed her and said, I can't even believe what happened. I have to tell you a story. Our family's been in the hardest last six months we've ever been in. And my daughter, for school, kids are able to bring in cupcakes for their birthday. And so when she asked me to bring in cupcakes for the whole class, I literally thought, I don't even know if we can afford cupcakes for the whole class and pay all our bills. But I'm, she said, and literally, I drove to the store and as I was in the parking lot, I told Jesus, I, God, I'm just gonna, I know I need to buy these cupcakes for my daughter, but we don't have the money. So I'm just gonna need your help. And then I got in line and you swiped your card and I turned around and I knew you were a pastor's wife. And I can't, I just wanna let you know, that thank you so much for the cupcakes. Like how, how many know generosity Generosity is contagious, right? This woman saw a need, felt a prompting, and just blessed other people. And I'm telling you, we live in a world where everyone says, my name is Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. And the local church needs to be a place of generosity. Hey, you're a generous people. Two weeks ago, we said we're taking an offering for the Ukraine, 25,000. Boom. I even look, you know, just, just generosity. And that's what we're entering into the next uh, two years as a church. In fact, I heard a study, this is not to condemn anyone, just I heard a study that 40% of people who go to churches don't give anything to church. And, and then I read another study that the average American spends $1,700 a year at Starbucks. I call it five bucks, but you know what I mean? Like, here's all I'm saying in the next campaign, I just nobody should spend more on coffee than the kingdom. And they're saying like, all play. Barnabas was generous with his resources. He's generous with his speech. He's generous with his resources. Here's the third thing I want you to see. He, he, had a, he had an encouraging spirit that made peace with other people. There are two times in the book of Acts that there are problems. Acts 11 with the Antioch church and Acts 15 with the Gentile church. Have, am I in a room with people that ever have conflict with other people? Come on, where are the married people here today? Go on. Like, so, so there are two times there's trouble in the Antioch church. The Jews don't know if the, these Gentile Antioch people can be Christians. And then there's a dispute in Acts 15. It's called the Jerusalem Council. Here's what I want you to know. Both times that there needed to be peace made, they sent Barnabas. He was a peacemaker. I think we need some more peacemakers in the world. And he went, and here's what he did. He scoped out problems in Antioch, and he scoped out the problems in, in Acts 15, and he brought people together. Here's what he did. Here's what, here's what he did. He saw the good in other people. I think we need people that see good in other people. Do you know it takes no particular talent to complain? How many have ever met somebody? They're like, I'm just good. I, I can find all the problems. Well, me too. I can sit and say that quarterback should do better. That quarterback should throw better. But how many know I can't throw better? But I know all the answers, right? Barnabas didn't have that spirit. Barnabas had the spirit that he came together and he brought people together. And he went into Antioch and he went into Acts 15 and he brought people together. He solved problems. In fact, when he got to the Antioch church, the Bible says when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done in their life. He saw God's work in their life. Just write this down. I think it's helpful. Here it is. You'll find in life what you're looking for. How many know if you look for bad, you'll find bad? But how many know if you look for signs of God's grace, you'll find good? 
In fact, somebody just challenged me the other week. They said, moms and dads ought to be the number one encourager in their kids' lives. Don't let anyone, dad, don't let anyone, mom, outpace the level of encouragement you make in your kids' lives. And what, does, what happens in this one? He finds in life what he's looking for. He goes there, literally Antioch Church, and he's glad and he encouraged them all. He just spoke life. He encouraged them all. He encouraged them all. Here's what the word encourage means. It's very complicated. It means encourage, to put courage in. In fact, this is why I come to this church, deep teaching. Encourage. Put courage in into people. He was glad, and who did he encourage? He encouraged them what? Them them all. You know, I was 15 or 16 years old when I felt like God wanted me to be in the ministry, and I was the, the most shy kid. I've told you stories, like, just so shy. I was awkward. I was that kid, you know? And uh, in fact, here's how I know I was that kid, because when I went to my mom to tell my mom that God called me to be a preacher, even my mom didn't believe in me. I'll never forget, I was like, Mom, I think God wants me to be a pastor. And she's like, that's, I remember her saying, that's sweet, honey. And I was like, it's, I mean, she's a great mom. I'm not hating on her, but I, she's like, we see what I all, we all see this. This isn't a, this, you're weird. You know, like I was weird. I mean, my first grade teacher thought I had learning issues. My third grade teacher ended up being my mother-in-law. I was weird to her too. I mean, I told you my first date, I was just a weird kid. And God called me to be a preacher. And long story short, my home church had started a new church in the city of Syracuse called Harvest. What was it called? Metro Harvest was the name of it. And Metro Harvest uh, was this church plant. And the pastor left after two years and they didn't have anyone to preach. And I was 16 years old and they had a Thursday night Bible study. And so one of the leaders said, you should preach at the Thursday night Bible study. And I said, I don't think I should. And he said, I think you should. You're the new preacher at the Thursday night Bible study. Well, here's the good news. There were only six people that came to the Thursday night Bible study. There were all six women. There were no men. But I don't know if you've ever been to an inner city church. It has a talkback culture. So I went the first day. I was real nervous. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I couldn't look at people. And I just started reading scripture. And these six women, they would just amen you the whole time. Amen. That's good. Preach it. Preach it. <laughs> and, and, there, and I was like, man, this is really good. And I just, I'm throwing it out, and they're like, what? And a few weeks in, they sort of called me their preacher. And then I was dating Katie at the time. We were in high school. And she's like, what, you're their preacher? I'm like, I'm their preacher. Do you not know who I am? I'm their preacher. <laughs> I preached two years of some of the worst sermons to six women. And those sweet six women told me I was so good. And I believed him. (laughs) I don't know if I'd be a pastor today if regular people had heard me preach. (laughs) They didn't have a pastor. They'd take anyone. You know what I mean? But because in that little setting, they spoke life. It it changed. How many know we never know what our words of encouragement can do for somebody else? You never know. In fact, Solomon told us the lips of the righteous will nourish others. Let me ask you a question. If other people had to depend on your words to nourish their soul, would they starve to death or would they be well fed? 
If your words were what brought strength to the soul, mind, and spirit of those around you, what, what, what are you spitting out? Barnabas walked everywhere. Acts 11. In fact, we don't have time to look at it, but you know in Acts 11 when he showed up at the Antioch church, that's actually the first church that the phrase Christian is used. Christian, meaning little Christ. The first people called little Jesuses was the people that Barnabas was sent to that the early church didn't even know if they should be a legitimate church. But because he saw something in them and was glad and encouraged them all and spoke life into them, the person of Jesus welled up bigger and bigger and bigger till that church was a powerhouse. You see it later in Acts 13. They're sending out missionaries. They went from a little fledgling group that people weren't sure it was normal to a growing missionary sending Christian church that changed the world. Why? Because encouragement has the ability to change the trajectory of people's lives, right? In fact, that's the fourth thing. Just write it down this weekend. Encouragement can change people's lives. Come on, say that out loud with me. Encouragement can what? Change. So here's what I want to land the plane with here today. If you think of encouragement as a side piece to be added to the plate, but not the entree, you, you, you dismiss how essential encouragement is. Encouragement, I think we think of it this way. Encouragement is nice to have a little. That's good. But what if encouragement is essential to what God wants to do in people's lives? What if it's not an add-on addendum footnote? What if if the future of people's lives and trajectory is going to be determined by the level of encouragement we have? In fact, let me show you, let me show you how Barnabas did this. In Acts chapter 15, Barnabas and Paul got in a fight. How many know Christians can argue? Okay, so Barnabas, here's what happened. Let me, let me just back it up. There are three missionary journeys in the book of Acts. So if you, if you have a Bible with the maps at the back and you go to it, you'll see these arrows in, with different colors that say first missionary journey, second, third. So in Acts 15, Paul has finished his first missionary journey. But on that first missionary journey, one of his companions, name was John Mark, came with him and he quit, okay? And Paul's kind of a push forward kind of leader. John Mark's with him, John Mark quits, okay? They, they are now getting ready in those, these verses we're gonna read to start their second missionary journey. Are you with me, right? So Barnabas has quit on the first one. They get ready to go on the second. And Barnabas says, hey, let's bring John Mark, with us. And Paul says, I don't think it's wise to take him. He deserted us in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So you get the idea, right? Barnabas is like, let's give this guy another chance. And Paul's like, Mm-mm. bro's weak. Can't do it. He quit on the first time. No, 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 no. We need to give him another sentence. No, 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 no. You remember when it got tough and he quit? Yeah, no, 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 we need to give him a, no, 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 no. So how did they resolve it? I'm glad you asked. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Some of you didn't know this was in the Bible. By the way, side note, people are like, I wish I could go back to the New Testament church where everything was perfect. Really? Because they seem pretty mad. People are dying in the offering. Lots of things are happening, okay? How many know as long as there have been people around, there are issues, right? Come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them you got issues. Here we go, ready? They had such a sharp disagreement. This is Paul and Barnabas. Paul's like, well, you don't have a chapel shirt anymore. We're not giving him another chapel shirt. He didn't confirm on planning center. He signed up for hospitality, never showed. Yeah, but you know, he, he, he didn't mean it. No, I, I sent him the invite. 
I gave him a free shirt. Well, we should give him another chance. Nuh-uh. That's what's happening. So Barnabas and Paul parted companies, and Barnabas takes Mark. Barnabas takes Mark. You know who John Mark is? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark. Mark wrote the first, even though it's second in our Bibles, Mark wrote the first chronological gospel, the life that describes the life and times of Jesus. As Peter told him as an eyewitness, Mark penned it. How many know if you can write the gospel of Mark, you're still useful to God, right? But Paul's like, no, we don't need that joker. God's like, well, I'm going to use him to write scripture. Here's why. I don't know if Mark would have been there without somebody like Barnabas that took a chance on him again. In fact, you know, at the very end of Paul's life, 2 Timothy is the last letter Paul writes before his death. At the very end of chapter four, as he's writing in prison, he doesn't know how how he's gonna live. Paul literally says this, only Luke is with me. Get Mark. (laughs) Isn't that so good? The quitter, the guy you didn't wanna bring before. Yeah, I know. I changed my mind on him. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's what? Come on, because he's what? Helpful to me. And Barnabas reaches out to the underdog, Mark, who gets restored in ministry. And eventually Paul and Mark's relationship is restored. Why? Because encouragement can change someone's life. And I'm not sure you and I know the potential possibilities that hang in the balance of whether or not we live lives of encouragement. In fact, I'm telling you, one of the things that kills churches is when they have religious spirits rather than encouraging spirits. Let this be a house known in town that if you're down, there are some happy people. (laughs) Some people that still believe that your past doesn't have to dictate your future and God can give you grace in the future. Listen, my dad, my dad lived this more than any other human being I know. Listen, my dad had some issues. I could tell you about that in another sermon. But last January, January 3rd, my dad went to be with Jesus. And my dad is the most encouraging, Katie will tell you this, the most encouraging person I've ever been around. My dad, my dad was too encouraging, okay? And I remember um, last, it was a year and a half ago, October or September, they, he got his diagnosis that he was going to hospice and he had just a couple months to live. And, and we would drive to North Carolina where he was um, being cared for. And I remember sitting in the parking lot and thinking my whole life, by the way, my dad was the ultimate encourager. In my basketball games, he'd scream so loud. In fact, he attended our church for a couple of years. I had to tell him to stop because he would sit in the back and he'd be like, hallelujah. And I was like, dad, I'm gonna need you to back that off a little because just you're my dad. I don't wanna do that. And, uh, uh, but my da- I, would, I would sit in the parking lot um, with, with Katie and we get ready to walk in and I'd say, all right, let's pray. We need to get up. I mean, I'm sure this is hard. We don't know how many more times we, and I'd walk into hospice because I knew my dad was getting sicker and sicker. And man, he, hey, Brandon, I'm so glad to see you. He'd call all the nurses in. You haven't missed my son. He's a pastor. And he just, he like the, he's like the governor in there. Okay, like, come on, everyone. And I was like, are you serious? In fact, I actually, it got so bad. Katie will tell you, this isn't even a lie. I walked into the hall before I left and I said to the nurse, listen, I think I miss a, they told me my dad's dying. And she's like, oh, he is. And I said, man, that did not feel like a guy who's dying. And she goes, I know. 
fact, I remember, remember two years ago, Christmas Eve, I couldn't even be with y'all for Christmas Eve services. It was right before he became unconscious. We had just these last days with him. And Katie made his favorite cookies. These, they had jelly in the middle with drizzle. And I remember her taking these cookies to him. Hey, hey, dad. It's getting close. Oh, it's getting close. My favorite cookies. I watch him eat like a dozen cookies, okay? And I was like, Dad, are you sure you should eat that many cookies? And he's like, do you think it really matters right now? No, just eat the cookies. I don't know how to describe it except that we missed Christmas services. Drove to North Carolina. No, my dad was in his last moments. And I walked into a room of an encourager. I'm so proud of you, Brandon. I'm so proud of the kids. I love you, Katie. Don't you worry about me. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to see your grandpa. My dad was the ultimate encourager. In fact, he owned a construction company. He, I remember when I started working for my dad, and he would go into Home Depot. Have you ever seen where they have a yellow rope telling you you can't go down that aisle? My dad would just move the rope. And I was like, yeah, we can't do this. And whenever there were new employees, they'd come down and, sir, sir. And he'd go, oh, it's okay. Put his arm around it. And the other guys, the other staff would go, that's Teddy. That, that's what they would just say. That's Teddy. I watched him check himself out. He knew a code at the thing. I was like, what do you mean that's Teddy, Dad? You shouldn't. I watched him drive a forklift at Erie Material. We didn't even work there. He's like, it's easy. They don't need to be bothered. My whole life. Anytime I control an issue, I tell my wife, like, I just, I don't know. My dad just went, he just had this, he just, wherever he went, he just loved people, encouraged people. He knew their name. He knew their story. He put his arm around. People would sometimes ask me, you didn't grow up in a pastor's home? I said, not really, but I did a little. Because my dad had the, this construction company. He just went around town and just, I don't know. He just, he, I tell you what, if there's one thing I pray, God, just give me half of the mantle of encouragement that rested on my dad. My dad passed away. I'd have friends inbox me and text me from 10th grade saying, I'll never forget your dad. We'd come over to the house, he'd buy extra ice cream sandwiches. He'd come downstairs and he'd just throw ice cream sandwiches at everyone. Let's be an encourager. What do people anticipate when we walk into Listen, encouragement can change people's lives. Last verse, and then I'm going to pray. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who, look at these words, blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Here's one last key. If you want to be encouraged, be encouraging. Because you get what you give. You reap what you sow. And when you sow encouragement, you reap encouragement. And Proverbs literally says there are two kinds of people in life. Ones that hold their stuff, their resources, their words, stingy. And their world shrinks around them. And then there are people that are just so full of the life of God. Their words, their speech, their life, their resources. 
as a genera. And you know what? God blesses those kind of people. God enlarges their territory. God gives strength and grace in their lives. Let's be a house of encouragement. Let it be said of the chapel. I walked in there and there were a group of people that smiled at me, believed in me, prayed with me, stood with me, gave me a second chance, were generous with me, spoke into my life, and I got back in the game. I, the gospel writer, I, God used me because of other people. Encouragement can change people's lives. Would you, yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? No one's, no one's looking around in a second we're gonna be done, but I won't even embarrass you today. I just had a thought that maybe there are some discouraged people. It's, man, it's a crazy wild world, isn't it? You're here today and you say, Pastor Randall, I need encouragement today. I won't even drag it out. I'm just going to ask you boldly just to say, pray for me today. I need, a, I need a dose of encouragement. Come on. In Scott's edition, in the Chesterfield County Jail, in the lobby, here in this room in Midlow. Come on. One, two, three. If that's you, you're discouraged. Hands up. Come on. Maybe a third of us. Come on. Maybe a third of us. Yeah. Somebody said, you know, each person is facing a hidden battle that you don't know. So God, I pray over discouraged hearts today. You said you're the lifter of our heads. So would you be the lifter of our heads? For the people that have walked in this room or in Scott's Edition or in Chesterfield County Jail or wherever, God, online, and they're discouraged today, you are the one lifting heads, lifting hearts, giving strength, giving grace. For the joy of the Lord is our strength for the joy of the lord is our strength so god we release the disease of discouragement and we take on the joy the hope the life that you have for us for we pray it in jesus name and everybody said together amen come on let's stand all over this room and in just a second we're going to close in prayer would you hold your palms like this let's just something about praise that sets us free come on sing hallelujah we trust you god we trust you